Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Regroup Podcast from Renovation Church. This is going to be our final episode of season one, or what we're calling season one, and we could not have two better people joining us today. I'm, I'm so excited. Two great friends of mine, folks that are in my small group that I have the pleasure of attending every Sunday night. Also two people who got married just five days before my wife and I, so I feel like there's a special bond there. Although, I do have a bone to pick. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, first, I want to welcome David and Hannah Dorton. Welcome to the podcast, guys. How's my hair? Looks beautiful, but Thank no you. one's going to see it, okay. unfortunately. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we have the humor first and the brain second. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so, like I said, I do have a bone to pick with you guys. It was May 27th. 2019. I did get that date right, correct? Yes. Okay. You looked at me. <laughs> yeah. I know who to ask. A certain couple got married that day at Renovation Church, and another certain couple was in attendance. That was myself <laughs> and my wife. And five days later, we had our wedding, Rachel and I, and for some reason, you two were nowhere to be found. You got as far away as you possibly could. <laughs> if I remember right, you're in Jamaica, right? We're in, yeah, we in were. Jamaica. And I guess my big question here, the most important question we're going to ask on the podcast today. No, we're not sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was Jamaica. <laughs> There's the answer. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, I'm joking, of course. I It is kind of neat uh, to think back at that time period, and I'm happy to share that, that week with you guys where... All four of us got married. Not all four of us together, but you know what I mean. Yeah. No, yeah. I love that. It's I think awesome. it's really special. Yep. Yep. Wish we could have made it, though. Yeah. It's uh, Those are just words now, David. Those <laughs> well, aren't... I wish we could have made it. <laughs> uh, your words mean nothing <laughs> two years later. I saw pictures. It looked really fun. <laughs> and you guys' was, was beautiful as well. Thank you. Do you guys have like a conscious or conscience like a voice that's almost audible in your head that tells you like when you're doing something wrong or you should move on. For me, like the conscience voice is my wife telling me, okay, move on. Let's get to the good stuff. And right now I hear her saying that. So I'm going to do that. We'll very go- wise. <laughs> yeah. Again, the wise one in, in our relationship as well. So what are we talking about today, guys? We are going to discuss what is so amazing about grace. And this is a term that we hear all the time in church, right? This term grace. And even outside of church, I think it's a, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. I think some people throw this word around and may not even realize it, that they don't have a good understanding of what it means. Mm-hmm. And that's both within the church and outside of the church, I would say. So before we jump in and I ask you guys a question here, I do want to read some scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read verses 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, let's start with the basics, guys. What is grace, and why do we need it so badly? 
Ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, grace, grace is it's a word that we can come, become numb to, I think, a lot because we hear it so much, like you said. And I think it just means getting what we don't deserve, something we cannot earn, something that we cannot choose for ourselves or strive for, but it's simply a gift given. I do like the way you said, Hannah, it's something we don't deserve. And I think when we consider what we truly deserve, which is pretty terrible, really, like we are sinful people, uh, we don't deserve heaven. We, frankly, we deserve hell. We deserve an eternal separation from God and, and thank him that, you know, that's not something we have to experience. And thanks to Jesus Christ for that. It's not so much amazing that like few of us can be saved, but that any of us can be saved, that grace is available to any of us. I think that's incredible. I guess I would add, like, um, and it kind of fits right now with um, vaccine being a major topic right now with everything going on, but grace is a vaccine for the mistakes that we make. Yeah. And it's something that constantly has to be there because we're going to constantly make mistakes. Grace is the other side of that that balance. You know, it's it's there's no way to undo a wrong that you've done, and grace is that eraser. Yeah. That's a great point. It's We never become like a grace graduate. Like, okay, I've got grace. Now I'm good. I don't need it anymore. I'm, you know, I'm cured. As humans, like we tend to forget, you know, how desperately we need grace. I would say we go through these periods of like self-righteousness where we think we've kind of got it all figured out and we forget to seek that grace and seek forgiveness, which is a mistake. So I love that point, David. I heard this cool acronym for the word grace, right? Normally I don't like acronyms. I think they can be kind of cheesy when people turn, you know, words that are perfectly fine on their own into an acronym. But it was a really cool acronym, I thought, for the word grace. And it was God's riches at Christ's expense. So the G-R-A-C-E, obviously. You know, it's important to remember the offer of grace from God was made possible by his son, Jesus Christ. And I just thought that was an interesting way of defining grace. It's almost like an acronym and a definition all in one. But Christ rescued us from that death that we deserve, like we talked about. And we need the grace that is offered to avoid the death that we deserve. It's just so important to remember that, no matter what stage of your faith you're in, right? Or if faith is something you haven't explored, if that's not something you're familiar with. When you enter to win, you know, the lottery or something like that, and then say, you, I've never won the lottery, never played the lottery, but, um, you know, when you do win something, you feel a sort of accomplishment. You know, I've... I've put tickets in a raffle. I won an Xbox 360 one time and I thought it was the greatest thing ever and I felt like I was number one, you know, because I won this and all I did was bought raffle tickets. Um, and grace is something that we get that we never had to ask for. You know, it's something that's just offered and it's it's better than anything we could enter to win, but it's something that we didn't have to try to get it. It just was simply offered to us and we can accept it or not accept it, but we all are sinners and we are all offered the same grace. Yeah, that's really good. Do you guys think there are any like limits to God's grace? Like, is there anywhere God draws the line? No. No, again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. He, and me as a human, you know, you think about it, and I, I know that there have been people who, who have severed relationships over certain things and um, could never get over. And this, you know, grace can really easily go into the topic of forgiveness showing people grace and showing them forgiveness but they'll say i'm not sure exactly how the saying goes but basically don't let somebody wrong you more you know fool um, me once fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me or something like that yeah god's never like that i mean he never you can commit the same act of sin 
over and over and over and over again. And as long as you accept the fact that God came and died for you and he has experienced the pain of that sin and he willingly did it and, you know, he's not, he's not putting Charlie Mock on a wall. He, he will constantly forgive you and constantly show you grace and it never ends. I think that grace breaks the cycle of condemnation too. If you're stuck in a perpetual sin that you seem like you can't break or let go of and maybe the world says oh it's not that big of a deal or oh there's grace you know we don't want to use grace as a as a way to cheapen like what god has done but i think because it's free because it's limitless because it's paid for once and forever it helped us walk into freedom because it's not something that i can do without surrender without jesus christ yeah i love that so grace is not an excuse to do things that displease the Lord. It's not a cop-out, but it provides us freedom to know that when we do trip up, when we do make a mistake, you know, that we have forgiveness and we have the grace of God. I think under grace, like we're no longer focused on like do's and don'ts when it comes to our faith. We just, we basically follow the spirit. Like we always do what pleases God because we know we have the grace that he's gifted us. Well, kind of going off what you said, using using grace as a as an excuse to go out and sin because you know, you know, it's the same thing. People go out and they drink and they know, oh, I've got Alka-Seltzer in the morning. Yeah, I like that, David. So that reminds me of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So I added in verse 27 there, but if you know you're sinning and you're deliberately sinning and thinking that's not a big deal, you are sadly mistaken. I mean, verse 27 there is a pretty harsh judgment that we we can expect in that situation. You kill the power of grace. Yep. So how would the world be different if we didn't have God's grace, if we didn't have Jesus Christ? I just think it's important to think about this so we can fully appreciate the grace we have. It's really interesting to think about coming from a home, growing up in church and always knowing what the resurrection is, knowing what Jesus' sacrifice is, trying to remove that from my memory, from my understanding of the world, just the emptiness. Because most people, they want to do good by nature. All of our natures are flawed and marred by sin. But most people want to do good things in life, but... Imagine never being able to just obtain right standing. There would be no hope. I mean, you still see a lot of people who don't understand what grace is. You know, people that I've worked with and people that think of Christians as, you know, you go to church and you pay your membership fee or tithe, as we call it, um, which is, you know, there's there's a whole other meaning behind it and why we do it. But making making jokes about sacrificing goats or animals and different things, you know, clearly just shows they don't even understand what the Bible says about grace and what grace is and what Jesus came and has done for us. And so I think that uh, it kind of also shows, you know, or makes me feel convicted by, well, why don't they know about grace? You know, what am I not doing to show them grace, I guess, you know? Yeah, so that's why I think it's so important to uh, demonstrate God's grace to others and to share what God's grace really means with people who are outside the faith. Like we talk about sharing the gospel with people and what that looks like. I might argue there's no better way to do that than showing God's grace to people or explaining what that means. Like I said, I can tell you, 
how my life would be different. I would not be involved in church. I would not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Obviously, if there's no grace, there is no opportunity for that relationship. But before I came to a point where I was ready, in quotation marks, to have a relationship with with Jesus, I looked at religion in that way. It's do's and don'ts. It's, you know, the good scale versus the bad scale. If my good scale has more things on it than the bad scale, then I'll go to heaven. And at the time, knowing that I live a very sinful life with tons of decisions that do not honor God, that do not look like Christian, well, I'm I'm not ready for a life of faith. I, you know, I'm a mess. And once I realized what grace really was and understood you know, what it means and that it's not getting cleaned up before you come to your faith. It's it's allowing your faith to do the cleaning. And I think of Jesus healing the man with leprosy in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus reaches out to the man who has leprosy. In verse 3, he reaches out his hand and touches the man and says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And he does the same the same thing for us. He doesn't heal the leprosy from a distance and then touch the man. He touches him first and then he's healed. And that's exactly what he does through us through grace. It's him touching us, extending that grace. And, and then we are healed as a result of that and as a result of that freedom. That's good. And then our motivation out of that reality, out of what Christ has done, is to choose to obey him. It says in First John that those that love him keep his commandments. And so that's the action, that's the do that comes out of a place of motivation, out of love, out of loyalty to Jesus because of the gift that we've been given. Yep, I love that too. Uh, Let's just look at the Ten Commandments. And you look at, you know, one of the commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I think under grace in the New Testament, we're taught that God is spirit and we should worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's in John chapter 4, verse 24. Another commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And I would say under grace, we're taught to love and be faithful to our spouse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. And then also Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Thou shalt not steal, another commandment. Under grace, we're taught to steal no more and to work with our own hands so that we may give to those that have need, Ephesians 4, verse 28. So there are these examples where uh, like walking in grace allows the Spirit to lead the way for us. Accepting grace and listening to the Spirit's discernment is not just do's and don'ts. It's letting that transform us, transform our heart. Our heart changes from like a rock that's unmoldable, you know, prior to grace to flesh, to a a heart that can be transformed through Christ. And out of that transformed heart, we can give grace to others. And I think that's harder. It's harder to give something like grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. It's really easy to accept it because we can't do anything to earn it. It's just a gift, but it's very difficult to give and to pour out for someone else. That's a great segue into what was going to be my next question. I love it, Hannah. So uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about grace, we sometimes you know, focus on the grace that God's extended us and aren't as willing to talk about or focus on the fact that we're also called to extend that grace to others, to those around us. And... Um, I'm curious why you guys think that is. Why don't we spend more time focusing on that part of the equation, extending grace to others? Just because it's hard? Because it requires something of us. It requires a sacrifice like God gave. Mm -hmm. And we still know 
that the other person or party involved doesn't deserve it. And it's our human nature, when it's not transformed by Christ, to hold that bitterness and to not bestow grace. But I never need grace, do I, David? Never. (laughs) Smart answer. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things, growing up in church, you know, um, a lot of the churches I had gone to were show up, good news, gospel message, go home. Um, and the good news gospel messages, I mean, God, you know, Jesus died on the cross and, and he shows us grace and, and mercy and, and things that we don't deserve. But until even, you know, making my faith my own, I realized, you know, there's a lot of work for us to do in our daily lives and to show grace to others as he's shown for us. I think there are several ways we we can extend grace to others. And I'll just, I'll give some examples not that you two need it, of course, a couple of sweethearts here, but uh, maybe it'll be helpful for the listener. I think we do that with our words. You know, we, we have kind and gentle words. We think about what we're going to say. I think it's important to look for the needs of others, you know, not always having to be asked to help out with things, but recognizing a need and just doing it. This is a really challenging one for me, especially, but responding to hate or criticism with, with a calm spirit. Uh, you know, Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 29 said, If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. I don't know about you guys, but that would be very hard for me to do if someone slapped my cheek. <laughs> my first instinct would not be to give them the other cheek. So this is something, you know, it, that's hard. But I think we can also be a loving presence for someone in grief. It's important to, uh, you know, to forgive. Like genuine forgiveness is also really hard. But I think that's part of, of extending grace, saying sorry and thank you when it's appropriate, and just taking a genuine interest in others. I catch myself sometimes when I meet someone just trying so hard to remember their name for the next time we, you know, we meet each other. I'm like saying it over and over in my head, but that kind of robs me of a conversation right then. My intentions are good, but I, I'm so focused on like, okay, don't forget their name is David. Don't forget their name is Hannah. That I don't have a genuine conversation right there and take an interest in them and show that like I, I care about them, even if I did just meet them. I think that's so important and a, a great way to extend grace. Those are just a few examples. A church filled of graceful people is a beautiful thing. It's a community lifting each other up, bearing each other's burdens. And to be a part of that is life-changing, you know, just speaking for myself. You know, I found a home here, just a renovation church specifically, but this, if you're listening and you're not in the St. Joseph, Missouri area, there's got to be a church near you that you can find that same community. You can find that same group of believers that are full of grace. And I encourage you to do that. I think a world without grace would be very lonely. And I think about how God sets people in families, and that's whether it's your church family or blessing you with, with your family that you have. Those communities is where you exercise grace because the people that you know in your family, they see it all, so more grace is required. And then even in your church, when you're serving together, like more grace is required. And I think... Those that have been given much, give back much and pour out much. And so the grace that has uh, changed my life is something that I want to give others. Absolutely. It's not meant to be hoarded. Mm -hmm. It is meant to be shared. It is meant to be extended to others. I think when we're pouring out grace, the way God gives grace, he doesn't give it begrudgingly. Like, oh, here we go again. Like, gonna have to do it. He gives it 
with such a heart of of joy and compassion. It's not something that he does with a negative spirit or a negative with negative emotions. You know, something that he graciously gives. And so that's the standard that we should have for others. We get a chance to forgive our our spouse, to forgive our friends, and and to be be those people that that are willing to to give grace. So not happily, but like without expectation. Yeah, without expectation or. Well, or well, the Bible tells me to do it, so yeah. here's grace. But all yeah, grace all good. grace that we give should point back to why are we giving it, and it's because we've received it. When you said people who receive much give much. I mean, when we understand what we have received, it is easy to turn around and happily give it. I, th- I think it is important to give grace without expectation or without expecting people to earn it because we didn't have to earn our, the grace that we've received. So whether someone deserves it in our eyes or not we are still called to extend that grace i would i would argue we haven't truly accepted the grace that's been offered us if we aren't willing to extend that same grace to others and that's something i think some people need to hear that's something i need to hear sometimes it's convicting but i think it's true if we have truly accepted god's grace through jesus then we want to share that with others without asking them to earn it Anything you guys would add before we kind of wrap up here about grace? Anything you want the listeners to hear that you, you know you think is valuable? Um, I think the the last form of grace that we haven't discussed very much is giving grace to ourselves. And I think most of us can be very critical of themselves, and then it's hard to give grace to others if you can't accept it as your own gift. You know, I know that. Jesus has saved me from hell, like that grace that, you know, you can get. But sometimes in the day-to-day, we forget how beautiful that grace is for even things that you do that might not seem important that grace covers. Yeah, we shouldn't expect more from ourselves than God expects from us. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't expect any more than a genuine loving relationship with God that transforms us and turns us into little Christ, as David said, that, you know, that literal translation of Christian, that's, that's all we should be aspiring to do. And a lot of beautiful things will come out of that naturally. I guess I would just reiterate to say, you know, at the end of the day, your soul's already been bought and paid for. So grace is free and it's there waiting for you to accept it. Kind of like what, you know, Hannah was saying, it's showing yourself grace. And a lot of people have a hard time accepting the grace that Jesus offers just because that we are who we are. And he came in has done what he has done and the human in us says don't show people grace for even smaller things but we have somebody doing that for us day in and day out for every little tiny thing we do and whether we ask for or not it's free so i mean just accept it you know if you're if you're having a hard time with that if you're having a hard time feeling like you deserve it you don't deserve it but it's there and it's paid for and it's it's something that's waiting for you and so i just encourage you to do that it's it's our only hope Yeah, and that is what's so amazing about it. We don't deserve it, but it is free. You know, it's a free gift from God. So, gosh, it's just another testimony to how amazing our God is, right? And I I think there's no better place to kind of conclude than right there. I I appreciate both of you so much for joining me today. Uh, I enjoy our discussion at our small group so much. And so this, I feel like, was just another extension of that, just with microphones in front of us. But I just appreciate you both so much. Thanks for having us, Zach. Thanks. That was fun. Good. So you'll be coming back then? Is that what you're trying to say? If you'll have me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So thank you for listening, everyone. This concludes season one of the Regroup Podcast. It has been so much fun. 
it's been a lot of work, but uh, very rewarding. And I just hope that it's been as rewarding for some of you listeners as it has been for me. And I know some of the guests that have been on have talked about, uh, you know, enjoying the experience. I have some exciting things planned for season two. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll put some announcements out there on the Renovation Church Facebook page so you know when to expect that and uh, what some of the fun things are that we're going to be doing. So until then, God bless and give grace. (laughs) 